back on the beat here on a Friday show, and it has been kind of an interesting week. It's been a very busy week and a very good week from the channel's point of view. Uh, certainly, some things have changed. If you noticed, we are on a different service as far as streaming goes. Tune in. We have made sure to change everything around. Now, one note on our Twitter page, and I'm working to change this. Long story short, I can tweet, and I have tweeted, and I do tweet a lot from Bulls Unlimited via TweetDeck. It's what we all use if we're on Twitter. But I can't get into the actual Twitter page. So the pinned tweet that says, here are your links for Bulls Unlimited, take you to two, as of right now, links that don't have Bulls Unlimited streaming. So please note, if you go to the Twitter page, that top tweet that we're trying to unpin is not accurate with the links. Bulls Unlimited is now on TuneIn. We'll maybe at some other time explain uh, the whole situation, but that's all you need to know for now. One other thing that you'll definitely need to know on TuneIn, you will see every now and then a prompt to subscribe for a free trial, and then after seven days, it's $14.99 a month. You do not have to do that to get Bulls Unlimited. That is for TuneIn's premium service, which adds a specific podcasts that you can't get otherwise and that kind of thing. But for USF Bulls Unlimited, trust me, you still do not have to pay for the service. So anytime you see free trial, don't accept that and just keep on listening to Bulls Unlimited. Now, speaking of audio, the whole Jeff Scott press conference is up because of our streaming situation. We could not carry it live on Wednesday on Bulls Unlimited, but we did immediately post the full press conference. So if you want to listen to it, there's the ways to do it. But let's give you, well, the two things that everyone wants to talk about, right? Quarterback and the indoor performance facility on campus stadium. So we'll go with the whole statement here he made about bringing in Gary Bohannon, how Timmy McLean has reacted, and how and when that competition will be settled. The first thing I'll say is I firmly believe that we now have two quarterbacks on our roster that we can win with this fall. And um, I think that's different than the last two seasons. I think uh, first year, don't really know what was going on and in a COVID fog with everybody. Uh, last year, we kind of were hopeful on a, a couple guys, but this year uh, I feel very confident that we have two quarterbacks uh, that we can win with uh, this season. Uh, Timmy, you know, obviously last year was a true freshman, uh, had a lot of big moments. He had some, some tough learning lessons too, as all freshman quarterbacks do when you're thrown out there. Uh, but, you know, really excited about his development. I thought he had a really good spring. And he's had an outstanding summer. I would say the thing I'm most pleased with with Timmy is how he's responded this summer, uh, really ever since Gary's gotten here. And that's part of the deal. Anytime that you're, you're bringing new guys in, I can promise you, Antonio Greer and, and uh, Dwayne Boyles practiced a lot harder this spring when, when DJ Gordon showed up, right, from Minnesota. And, and that's, that's what I'm used to. The, programs, you know, the program I came from, man, there's competition in that room. And if you don't show up each and every day, you're going to get passed by. And so uh, I've been really pleased by uh, the progress of Timmy this summer and just all the feedback uh, that I've gotten from our team and from our strength staff. He's responded uh, very well, just like I I knew that he would. Uh, You know, as far as uh, us bringing Gary in, honestly, we weren't looking. We weren't out there saying we definitely got to bring another quarterback in and we're definitely going to just find the best one we can. It was not that situation. It was more of a situation where uh, you know, Trey got in the, the portal there for a little bit there in December and, and uh, had some young freshmen coming in. And obviously with other guys leaving, you know, you're sitting there saying, you know, we got one guy right now that I feel like we can win with. 
and uh, you know it's hard uh, to have one guy. Uh, so in this new environment of uh, the transfer portal, there's opportunities late in spring to add uh, the right pieces to your puzzle, and we've done that at every position, and quarterback's no different. So for us, uh, kind of what uh, Coach Trickett and I talked about was, you know, if there's a guy out there that uh, number one has experience, uh, he has uh, you know just some uh, football knowledge and football IQ, and just you know a guy that's actually played and had success, you know, at the highest level, uh, that also has leadership abilities that maybe he could add something to that room, and then also someone that would fit our, our culture and our team. I didn't want somebody coming in here that was just going to be trying to box out the other guys in the room. Uh, because that's not really uh, where we are right now as a program and, and not what I'm looking for. And so when Gary got in the portal and uh, we talked to the coaches at Baylor, uh, we got very strong reviews uh, about him as a person, as a leader, as a player. And uh, we talked to him. He had some other very uh, strong suitors that were after him. Uh, but he, we figured out pretty early, early on that he was very interested uh, in South Florida and interested in um, you know, coming down here and being a part of our team. And uh, so we, we brought him down. He's done a great job since he's been here and um, done a good job this summer. It's been fun for me to, to see him and, and uh, Timmy and, and Trey and the other quarterbacks working out all summer together, helping each other, uh, watching video together, and just kind of seeing that whole group come together. Uh, I'm excited. And I think ultimately uh, my job as the head coach is to make sure that we have enough talent, enough depth, and enough competition in every room especially in the quarterback room, right, which is one of the most important uh, parts of your team. And I think adding Gary to that room uh, has checked all of those boxes. You know, uh, I talked to uh, Coach Trickett and then Coach Chad Morris, who just joined us, um, you know, visited with them a little bit in the last couple of weeks, just trying to, to figure out how we're going to go through the, the process of, of finding a starting quarterback for BYU and for the season. And uh, after talking to them a little bit, I called both Timmy and Gary in last week. Uh, to go over the plan with them and uh, pretty much you know told them that uh, what we're going to do is we're going to use the first half of fall camp and let those guys go out and compete and uh, you know Timmy will when we go out today for the first uh, practice this evening Timmy will go with the ones all all day today and uh, Gary will go with the twos all day and then tomorrow morning when we have the next practice Gary will go with the ones all practice and Timmy will go with the twos all practice and we'll alternate that you know for whatever it is the first 10 or 11 practices, and then whenever we have our first scrimmage uh, on, I believe Saturday, August 13th, you know, um, you know, we're going to be grading everything that they do, every throw that they make, and uh, all their decision making. We're going to be watching them uh, over those next, you know, 10 or 11 days. Um, you know how they're leading the offense, how the offense responds to them. You know all these things, and and what our goal is. Obviously, things can change, uh, but our goal is to make a decision. Uh, after that first scrimmage there on August 13th. And uh, to let those guys know that, uh, let the team know that, go ahead and announce it to you guys and, and let our fans know. And the, the biggest thing about that is I want whoever wins the, the starting job to have three full weeks uh, to be seen as the starter you know, by the offense and to work with that uh, first group of offensive players and offensive line and running backs in the mesh and all that. And for our team to know, you know that, that's the toughest thing sometimes in these quarterback battles is your team, there's a lot of kind of questions and who's going to be our quarterback and all that. And uh, we kind of been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and, and now it's time to kind of move to that next level 
and I believe, uh, honestly, believe we can't go wrong with e either of these young men. I think that pretty much covers it. It would explain why Bohannon was the guy with the first-team offense on Thursday morning when yours truly and several members of the media were out there to be able to observe a little bit. Yes, a lot of command from him. You could just see it. And through some nice videos up there of Bohannon connecting with guys like Xavier Weaver on some hitch passes. Now, there were several drills, talking about 11-on-11 type drills, where they rotated all the quarterbacks play-by-play -play with Trey Marsh and Byron Brown included in that. But, yeah, that's why it's going to be in general depending on which day you hit practice, looking like one guy may be the starter, but they're both going to get that equal chance. If you want to listen to what Bohannon and McLean had to say, I was really impressed with the grit rankings for the summer with Brad Cecil being the top performer as far as conditioning, but Bohannon right behind him. I did ask Gary about that during the press conference. I was interested to know if he felt the need to you know, show out a little bit extra or if he was just doing what he normally does, and it happens to be what he normally does is right up there at the top of the list, and he said the latter, just doing what he does. So that was kind of impressive, and I noticed on a couple of the sprints that, yeah, he's near the top of the order, so he's got some speed to him for a quarterback. There's no doubt about that, and we know that Timmy can run pretty well also. In the background of some of those videos that I put out on my Twitter page, if you want to go to that and check them out, it's at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. The indoor performance facility is big and impressive and almost open, but won't be ready for the football season at the beginning anyway. The latest presented by Jeff Scott during his Wednesday Media Day press conference. Uh, sometime this fall uh, is, is what I know. Uh, I think they're getting ready to start putting the, the turf in. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's fluid, obviously, because a lot of it deals with supplies and things that are coming in. My guess is probably some, somewhere around the middle of the season. I'm hoping kind of by that open week in the middle of the season uh, that we'll be able to get in there. But it looks nice. I, I walked into the other day. Uh, it's going to be uh, incredible. And my other question, have you looked at all of the uh, proposals for the Montana Stadium, or is that way above your pay grade? Uh, well, the decisions is way above my pay grade. Uh, yes, I definitely uh, have looked. And... And, and Michael uh, Kelly, our athletic director, and, and Jay Stroman, who's uh, helping with a big part of that as our head of the foundation, uh, they keep me in the loop on what's going on and kind of where we are. And um, obviously, i got to be a little protected in what I can say just because there's steps that everybody has to follow and when you're doing a project like that. But the big thing I want our fans to, to know is it's going to happen. Uh, they're not trying to see if it can happen or if we can make it happen. And and how much money do we need to go it's it's gonna happen they've already got a plan for that but there's a process in place i think right now they're kind of going through the, the bidding process for who's the the architect firm that's really going to do the the detailed drawings and all that and then uh you know it'll move down but um you know I, i'm expecting sometime by you know the, the end of the end of this year first of january i imagine there'll be a lot more announcements on uh, you know i don't know if they'll have pictures and all that by then but uh, I'm very excited about everything that I've seen and heard, but the, the biggest thing is it's, it's not whether it's going to happen or not. It, it's going to happen, and they're working uh, extremely hard to, to see if we can be on a timeline to have it for fall of 26. Uh, so that, that's exciting. Again, if you want to hear all 40 minutes or so of his address, along with all of what Bohannon, McLean, Cecil, and Yates had to say, the two ways to do it are on our SoundCloud page, and on GoUSFBulls.com. He spoke about, for example, Smoke Davis, him retiring, but as a student coach on the team and a couple of others, including a very interesting story, someone who got married, came over from 
Utah Zach Mendoza offensive line and medically couldn't be cleared, but he is going to be on the staff as well. So some interesting stories to cover. I'm going to say we'll probably end up talking to that young man. And we'll have plenty of time throughout the fall camp to speak to many members of the team. Our next chance with any members of the team is going to be on Tuesday. That's the first full padded practice. We'll be able to see that. And then afterwards, Jeff Scott will have a press conference that we will stream, the plan is anyway, live on USF Bulls Unlimited. Again, that's supposed to be around 11 o'clock. We'll also hear from a couple of players on that one, Antonio Greer and Xavier Weaver. On this show, some news, a lot of coaching news, lacrosse along with softball. And, oh, yes, plan your after-Thanksgiving trip down to Naples to watch some women's basketball. We've got the opponents for one of the multi-team events for USF. You'll also hear from Lucy Roberts of Women's Soccer as we get you set for tomorrow's exhibition opener. This is Bulls Beat. This is the Unlimited Unloaded page. We spoke in our first block about how we had a few issues with the uh, streaming this week, but we, thanks to, listen, you've probably heard me mention the name. If you've listened to me this last couple of weeks filling in for him with Rick Stroud on the Sports Day Tampa Bay podcast, you know the name Steve Ersnick. And anytime I've mentioned him, I've talked about the behind the scenes work he does. Well, essentially, he's the guy that got us back up and running on a streaming platform specifically the tune in platform but there was some concern that we might not be able to bring you the broadcast on saturday night that's not a problem anymore we will be live on the air around seven o'clock a little bit before seven kickoff for usf women's soccer we'll give you my chat with lucy roberts and a little bit on the team of course a lot on the team you'll be able to hear if you tune in on saturday night tune in i guess is the right phrase to use if you're listening to the station these days we appreciate you doing it before we get there though we said there was some news to pass along to you on many coaching fronts the women's lacrosse team has added an assistant coach a very familiar name to mindy mccord the new head coach of the new sport one of the two new sports along with women's beach volleyball Brittany orshin who was an assistant with mccord at jacksonville for several years after being an all-american player from 2011 to 2015 she was named the jacksonville athlete of the year any sport in 2015 was the asum defensive player of the year two times and that's what's so important mindy mccord and her husband, Paul McCord, who, by the way, is officially on the staff now as well, known for their offensive prowess, leading the country in scoring many times, but got to play defense as well. And J.U. was top 10 three times, including third in 2019. Well, she was a big part of that. She was on the staff with the Dolphins before heading to Stanford last year. Oh, by the way, Stanford won the Pac-12, made it to the NCAA tournament, lost in the first round to Jacksonville. So another new coach that we'll want to speak to and a coach that joined the staff of Ken Erickson last year and is now a full-time assistant. I always thought it was kind of wild that a former head coach in the SEC was a volunteer assistant, meaning not getting paid for her services, but now will be paid as an official assistant. Tommy Santiago, not on the staff anymore. I know he was a valued member for the last couple of years. Lisa Navas, is now an assistant coach for Ken Erickson, who said a true professional in all aspects of what it takes on the field and off the field. She is not allergic to work, which she has displayed passionately her entire career. I'm looking forward to her straightforwardness and her leadership for our women. Novice was associate head coach actually at South Carolina for eight seasons and was the inaugural head coach at NC State when it got going in 2004. She was their head coach through 2012, got them to the NCAA tournament a couple times, including 
winning the ACC title in just their third season. Mentioned Santiago. He was the first base coach. Ken Erickson's over there at third. I wonder if Novice will get out there or maybe, I don't know, an assistant like Georgina Corrick, who was supposed to be returning to the staff. An update, by the way, on how her Great Britain team did in the European Championships, a silver medal. Essentially, it has always been about the Netherlands and Italy when it comes to European softball. Either one of those two countries have won all 23 European Women's Championship softball tournaments since 1979. And Great Britain was hoping to break up what they call the duopoly. Not only have those two countries won every single time, but they've played each other for the gold medal almost every single time. In fact, the Great Britain team became just the second to be in the final for a second time. Czech Republic was the first, and they hadn't been in the final since 2001. So pretty great stuff. Great Britain actually defeated the Netherlands and Italy, both in the buildup, but in the final game lost seven to nothing as Georgina Cork, who had shut out the Netherlands team before, gave up some bleeders and that's kinda how it went. And of course they couldn't get their offense going, but still a great accomplishment. And with the silver medal, finishing in the top three assures them entry into the World Cup group stage. So they don't have to worry about qualifying just to get to that stage in the twenty twenty three event. I'm guessing that Georgina Cork will still be pitching for Great Britain then. Speaking of international competition, two members of Eric Jenkins' track and field team are in Birmingham, England to compete in the Commonwealth Games. Actually, Romain Beckford, the standout high jumper, has already finished his competition. Eighth in the world at the high jump. 2.19 meters was the height that he cleared actually on his final attempt. Could not hit the next level, which was right basically at his second all-time in USF history mark, but very cool to see him competing for Team Jamaica, and again, top 10 in the world, not so bad. And then this morning, early our time, if you weren't up at 5.30, to cheer on Hannah Connell in the 100 hurdles. She is from Barbados. She was competing for them. And by the way, the Commonwealth Games, the Commonwealth, essentially countries that most of them were former territories of the British Empire. So a lot of the islands, of course you have England and Australia, and that's why there's no Americans in this event. It's still an international event, no doubt, and Hannah was in it, and she finished in 11th as far as her time went. She was in the final heat. Top two from each of the three heats advanced to Sunday's final race, along with the next two fastest times. She did the 100-meter hurdles in a 13.35. The cutoff, the eighth place time, was 12.96, but still outstanding to know that two USF Bulls got to compete at such a big event. Congratulations to them both. Hey, speaking of England, Lucy Roberts coming up in just a couple of minutes, but staying with big events. And we knew we were going to be in Estero slash Fort Myers slash Naples, but now we know the teams that the women's basketball team will be going up against the three days after Thanksgiving. So Friday, November the 25th through the 27th. And the cool thing about the story on GoUSFBulls.com is you actually have links to the ticket information, but also to the hotel. The Bulls will start off against Georgia Tech, a team that went 11-7 and in the ACC. And, well, we saw how good Miami was. So Georgia Tech, they were above 500 in the ACC. We know they had a good season. Michigan is a potential second day opponent. Michigan was a number three seed in the NCAA tournament last year. Made it to the Sweet 16, lost to the one seed Louisville. If the Bulls beat Georgia Tech on that Friday night, they'll play the winner of Michigan and Air Force. If they lose, of course, they'll play the loser that game. It's a true bracketed event. On the other side, Baylor is the highlight team. Similar to when South Carolina was the highlight team back at this event in 2017, the Bulls didn't get to see them because they got beat by Notre Dame 
in the semifinals, but that was a memorable three days, and this promises to be the same. How memorable was it? The Bulls shut out Washington State in the first quarter, played Notre Dame in that second day. Kit Loxa was 9 of 11 on threes, scored 36 points, but the Bulls still lost to the Irish, and then they won a good game at St. John's for third place. Joining Baylor on the other side of the bracket, the team the Bears start off against is St. Louis. The other two are Belmont and Villanova. So yes, there's a chance the Bulls play Belmont and Sydney Arvey. For more details, head to GoUSFBulls.com. And we wrap up with women's soccer, which actually begins practice today, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. They'll have another session Saturday morning, and then an actual exhibition game against JU will be on the air at 7 o'clock. Let's get you set with one of the leaders of the team on the defensive side. Someone who eagerly put her hand up to be first in the interview line. <laughs> Lucy Roberts, actually it's old hand, but I'm glad to see you again. How was your summer? It was great, thanks Derek. I was at home for like three months almost, which was a nice change for you a bit. Mean, you mean you were at home with your uh, parents who are big listeners to the yes, podcast? Yes, they probably will be listening to this. <laughs> tell, tell people, I, I mean, it's kind of cool that they listen, and, but for, yeah. your, for your sake though, they, get, they enjoy and get to listen to you, right? Yeah, because I think it was my freshman year, obviously they, I was playing so far away, so they would listen to the podcast and like the watch the games on Bulls Vision and they were obsessed with your commentary. They thought it was so funny. They were like, Oh, when I when we come over we have to meet that guy so then that that, yeah. that really means everything to me and they yeah. have actually uh, your mom's hilarious and uh, very yeah. kind. So I think it's just so, so so special like when they're so far away then they can still watch and just engage in it. It's yeah. awesome. Well, we're looking forward to another full year of it. And uh, yeah, what have you gotten much on the pitch this summer? What uh, I know that people have been playing. Some have been taking. Yeah, it easy. no, I didn't have a team because um, obviously we don't have summer league really at home. So I've just been training by myself mostly and trying to keep fit and I'll hopefully I'll be ready for this I'll believe it when I see it because if you're going over <laughs> to England and you're getting to enjoy the weather, I mean, what, was it enjoyable or was it just foggy? Uh, How was it in the summer over there? It's, it was actually okay. We had a really, we had a heat wave and it was so hot and it was like the hottest day ever in England. It was over 40 degrees Celsius, which is like, I don't know, Fahrenheit, but it was really hot. <laughs> and obviously we didn't have air conditioning or anything in any of our buildings because it's Excuse usually... me? No, we don't because it's usually cold. So we need to heat them up instead of cool them down. Wow. So it was really, that was a tough two days, but the rest of, rest of it was fine. <laughs> so I'm at that now I've never asked you this question before. What was, yeah. your, what was your first experience in the States with air conditioning? Were you unfamiliar I, completely? Yeah. <laughs> so I used to just think it was freezing every time you come inside because <laughs> it's so hot outside. And then as soon as you come inside, you need a jacket with you because <laughs> it's so cold. Oh, you figure that out, the, the need for it right away. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I got to ask you about, you know, mm. there's no more Cheyenne back there. there nope, yeah. Viv's not going to be around for a, a few games maybe, but uh, who are we looking at to help you out back there? Uh, I'm not sure. I think we have a few new faces in the back. Um, honestly, I don't know. I have to ask Denise, but <laughs> I think we have a couple new international players. I think Olivia Mancini is a centre-back. I, th- I know we have a new left-back. Uh, I think she's a Danish player. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it'll be good. Well, the thing, there, yeah. But the thing is, uh, with all these new players, mm-hmm. uh, obviously you're going to maybe take over the leadership role. I know Viv, yeah. as well, uh, Viv as well, but while she's not here, are yeah. you ready for that? Yeah, I think so. I think I've been here for a while now, and I'm just so ready to like step up and I think hopefully lead the team well this year and hopefully we'll be successful with all the new players. I think it's quite exciting as well because we, we do have so many new faces that we can really kind of start fresh and just create our own culture, how we want to be, and 
go forward from there. Well, it's good to start fresh, but I'm glad you're yeah. part of it, and a lot yeah. of the returners are <laughs> yeah. here, and we wish you the best of luck. We'll see you out there next week. Thank you very much. As far as the game itself, probably going to be a three 30-minute period affair, whatever it is. We'll have it for you live on USF Bulls Unlimited starting a little before 7 o'clock. Up on GoUSFBulls.com, we talked to Vivian Bissett. You already knew that she's playing for Canada along with Sarita Thurton in the Under-20 World Cup. We mentioned on last week's show there was another player that I knew had a chance. Unfortunately, Kiara Hahn just missed out. She is a first alternate for Germany. So it's tough news for her from a playing for a country standpoint, but selfishly, the Bulls get to have her, so she should be on the pitch Saturday night as well. Also, check it out if you want to follow at Fowler Avenue, a new NIL collective that Gary Bohannon and some other Bulls are already a part of. Matt Grothy runs that thing. He was hanging out with Jeff Scott for a couple of hours last night. Go to Coach's Twitter. You can see a nice photo, and boy, what a connection there. Hey, great to be back on the beat. We'll have a full weekend recap for you on Monday. That's going to wrap up the Friday version. I'm Derek Sharp. You've been listening to Bulls Beat on Unlimited Unloaded.